Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. I'm opening. We have an eye, sort of a nostril, two teeth. One of the teeth has a small cavity. Close call, folks, but I think we got here just in time. Presented by Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergaro. This is Anatomy of a Movie. In-depth discussions and breakdowns of various movie titles. And now that you've seen the movie, let the dissection begin. That's right. Welcome, Anatomy fans. Back for another Anatomy of a Movie. That's right. Um, we're doing the Brothers Grimsby today, the new Sasha Cohen Baron movie, uh, Baron Cohen movie. Yeah. And we're excited. Um, we've got a lot of stuff going on here, Anatomy of Movie, and of course, Popcorn Talk. This is just one crazy song. Music. I'll just wait for the song to finish before I continue. Yeah, you're welcome for that. It's a good one to entrance into. If you're dancing, <laughs> not if you're talking. True, true. Um, there you go. Just do it. Just do it. If you like the party, come on in. Um, so yeah, here in the There you go, Zach. Zach's got the strobes going. Mm. For those of you on audio, just just crank up the bass, if you will, and just enjoy it. This is a fun song. Okay. I'm glad you like okay. it. I'm done. So, yes, a lot going on. Just a couple of uh, housekeeping items. We'll be doing Allegiant very soon for you. We've got Batman v Superman down the pipeline. And, of course, Civil War, uh, the new Captain America movie, very soon. So lots to look forward to. And, of course, we have tons of other shows in the archive. So check those out as well. Um, one movie in particular, Zoolander 2, I thought about today because of Penelope Cruz, and we'll talk about that yeah. once we get to her. Um, Brothers Grinsby opened up March 11th, $35 million budget, um, Columbia Pictures, slash Sony. Louis Lettier. That's right. So, Marissa, overall thoughts. And I know it's not necessarily your cup of tea. I know crude humor yeah. Um, isn't is a little off-putting for you, unfortunately, as we found out. So it, it is for a lot of people. Yes. Because it wasn't so well received. But what did you think? True. I mean, I have my handful of crude movies that I love to actually watch, like American Pie and series. You know, so it's like I am open to these kind of movies. But going into it, I should have been well more aware of what kind of movie I was walking into, knowing that Sasha Baron Cohen was in it. And granted, I went with a friend, so I, I was more obligated to sit through the whole thing than rather walk out. Um, ridiculous. Th- it had its fun, crazy moments where I'm just like, what the heck is, are we watching? How can they even get away with this in a movie? But overall, it, w- it was just a crazy, outrageous movie. I'm like, okay, I've seen it. I give him, I, I give him a lot of... Uh, credit for going the lengths that he goes to um one of the things i do want to talk about and we'll talk about a little bit more is his episodic stuff like the mockumentary type humor versus his scripted stuff and i think yeah. the the mockumentary stuff does has done a little bit better you know um than the scripted stuff but although for me i actually don't mind it you know i i did love the dictator i loved um bruno was the one that i was like whoa, whoa this is just too much um see i didn't see bruno it was just i i think that movie suffers from too much dick and this movie <laughs> i think had might a lot ha- of dick in it too. it might have that same problem and you know because i don't mind the crude humor and stuff like that by the way one of the funniest jokes to me in this entire movie was the rapist because I've never looked at therapist and really broken it down into its actual le- letters to mm-hmm. see that, oh, it actually spells the rapist. I agree. That was by far one of the funniest moments for me personally as well. Um, it kind of just reminded me of Jeopardy SNL, how Will Ferrell's character always takes words and breaks it down into two more funny words so than it hmm. should be. Um, I, I like that, 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 you know, there, there were some good smart jokes in it. I will say, I think it was the overall cir- situational comedy that I personally had issues with watching. Fair enough. Well, um, the movie, 
it began development in 2013. That's when uh, Sasha was kind of he did some scouting. He basically was went around London <clears throat> and looked for uh, not to say a shithole, but kind of looking for a shithole town that you know. And then, then um, even though they never actually filmed them Grimsby, that was the town that he wanted to uh, have Navi be from. Yeah, and, and uh, sorry, Sasha did say in interviews that he's personally just a big fan of the word Grinsby, so he wanted to use the word Grinsby town in the film. Mm-hmm. And now, in, in terms of, I found this very interesting, right? So um, it's not just Sasha um, Baron Cohen writing this, it's Phil Johnston and Peter um, Bainham. Bainham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just really like the premise because um, it was Phil Johnson who brought up to him and said, well, what, in terms of premise, what if it was James Bond and he had a brother? What would his most embarrassing brother be like? And what would that mean for James Bond? And when you kind of think of it in those terms, yeah, I think overall they succeeded because Navi is the worst of the worst. I think so, too. And I think they've... Because we, the audience, with so many movies of James Bond in that franchise, I think we know that James Bond is an orphan, and he doesn't have family. So to think in an aspect like that, like, what would happen if James Bond had his... Or James Bond-type figure had a sibling? Would he be embarrassed by who, like, his family that he grew up in? I think I like that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I 100 agree. And and uh, in terms of Johnston, he has he has an interesting credit slate. Uh, Cedar Rapids, which I think doesn't get the love that it deserves. Um, I think that's a fantastic movie that more people should um, should go see. And you know, Zootopia. Zootopia. That recent, you know, it, it just recently came out. We just talked Zootopia too, and you would never think because they're two completely different movies. Um, so, I mean, props to uh, Johnston, who can, like, go into completely different genres and write to different audiences in that way. Because um, for Zootopia, I loved. Grinsby, I didn't. Well, I think they're two completely different things. I mean, you know, the fact that one's, you know, an animated movie, and it's a... It, not that it's a kid's movie, but mm-hmm. it, it it also has, obviously, adult... Um, things that you can get out of it and i'm sure there's the, the, the ever-present stuff that goes over kids head that could be considered dirty but yeah uh brothers grimsby is just outright <laughs> yeah dirty and i mean if you think about it too like zootopia that's an animated movie that had years to constantly change the story and evolve and had other collaborative minds on that so like that that was a very to night neatly put together script and compared to grimsby where we know there's a lot of improv improvisation that goes along with the writing as well so like what was what you know johnston could have written originally probably didn't end up on the screen at the end Mm -hmm. so uh, there's a big drastic different change than also what goes from script to the screen yeah and you know i mean one of the things one of the things i respect about um about sasha is that he's always very true to his characters um, and perhaps that's part of the problem, right? Uh, Anthony Hines, uh, you made this note. They did a lot of improv, as you could probably imagine, on set. Um, and that works a lot better when it's, a mo- you, you know, for Sasha, at least for me, when he's done the mockumentary stuff, it works a lot better because he can stay in character. And he's not necessarily trying to get to a certain goal, necessarily. Like, there's just a basic idea. But But when you have something scripted... Um, you have to be a little bit more specific with what the goal of each scene is because you have to drive it somewhere. Um, And so, you know, I think when you kind of open up for that, you know, I think it it, it can suffer and perhaps that's where it is. But but nonetheless, he's gone on record saying, like, whenever he is writing, whether it was for Ali G or Borat or Bruno, everything had to be believable. Um, They could never do anything out of character. Um, so when it comes to writing our movies, everything comes from the kind of basis, that pure idea. What would the character do? Sometimes we think of really funny jokes, but um, they wouldn't come out of the character's mouth. It has to be authentic and believable. And so we create this world around um, for, the, for the comedy to exist in. And, you know, I completely believe that, too, because those films, Borat and 
you know, Ollie G and whatnot. They, they have a different type of filmmaking style, too, and a different way of how they portray a story. And, again, I think Grinsby was more about the situational comedy rather than what's actually, uh, what, like, the end goal was. And, um, but, like, I liked how it was two completely different environments, too, even in those, you know, same kind of crude humor, but shown in two different ways. Yeah, you know, one of, one of the funny lines in the movie is, like, uh, us idiots, are, we're the ones who keep the Fast and the Furious franchise alive. Yeah. And, you know, the, the interesting part to me is if you kind of look at it from a story level, it's not that far off and that absurd from something like a Fast and the Furious. It just doesn't have, it just has dick jokes. Yeah. And, I'm like, I kind of actually did enjoy that joke, too, because it kind of speaks to the masses of the regular so-called, you know, civilians that keep franchises going. Um, I, I liked how, like, he recognizes that... There, he's part of a community that you know, may not be like the most intelligent, but they're vital too. Yeah, but but I also think I mean, you know, so, so, <coughs> excuse me, sauce is really interesting in the sense that um, a lot of people kind of cite Boston. Like if if you can do comedy and stand up comedy in Boston, um, then you're a good comic because. Uh, Bostonians really require a high level of comedy, and they can get satire much quicker and, and so forth. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the fact that he can have political issues tied into it, uh, you know, it's not necessarily 100% satirical, but I can respect it, um, and I, th- I think his comedy is smart in some ways. I think there were a lot of smart jokes laid in between this film. I think more of the community just overall in this film, I think... I don't want to keep saying it, but, like, each scene was more standout situational funny comedy. Because if you break this movie down, you could pick out, like, major scenes. Mm-hmm. But that wouldn't go with the writing, per se, or story development. It was more a situation that was funny because that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, part of it is, you know, I, I think um, it works in one of two ways. Like, yeah, the, um, when they when they wrote... They force themselves to make every scene as po- as funny as possible. Um, if John was here, you know his term is jokes per minute, and I think mm-hmm. you know he they were upping their jokes per minute. And sometimes when you know when you try to do that, it can hinder with the story. So I get that. And, and overall, this is a very fast. Like even though the movie's an hour and twenty minutes, the pace at which goes in felt like a two hour movie. Not saying that it was it, it felt long or I was bored in any of it. It just so much happened um, overall that I was like, oh, wow, they jam-packed this. I agree. I mean, I agree with the pacing. Thankfully, it was a short film. But uh, to to that point, I think they added so many different things in short amount of scenes where at the beginning of the movie they started in one place and then at the end they're in Africa. So, like, you forget just how often they traveled the world within 20 minutes. Yeah. They they did travel a lot. They went from uh, they went a lot of places. Um, so, uh, moving into the story, let's let's kind of talk. Let's break down some of these things. Um, first off, you know the 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 biggest point of controversy or whatever you want to call it is the whole uh, Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> Donald Trump, and AIDS. And AIDS. Um, now this was sort of HIV. <laughs> it was like, you know it. Part of it did feel like I mean it was it was a last minute kind of addition, and within the last six months they put that into the film, um, you know, and, and some of it felt a little forced in the sense that you have Harry Potter land coming out, so that's a good time to kind of tie into Daniel Radcliffe. Donald Trump is he's the hottest topic you can possibly imagine. I don't know necessarily in the world, but certainly in America. Um, yeah. So it felt like, why not? Yeah, and I think they were trying to cater to both audience, you know, the UK audience and the America. It's like, who's the biggest person in the UK? Probably Daniel Radcliffe. Who's the biggest, hottest topic in America? Probably Donald Trump. And I think it's, uh, I think that was smart on their end. Granted, it's like, we, we love Daniel Radcliffe on Donald Trump. That's your 
own opinion. Opinion. I like him on Celebrity Apprentice. That's all I'll say. So I think it was funny for the humor because they are such big figures in just the public eye. But it was just unfortunate that they had to contract HIV for a storytelling device. Um, this is the thing. I actually didn't mind that. I only because again, part of it is that there's the whole because they are commenting on quote unquote stupid people. And still to this day, I don't necessarily know how educated people fully are on HIV and AIDS. And the fact that it was transmitted through just blood, blood. flying through the air. Um, n- number one, is just so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the simple fact, like, that's not how it actually works. No. Um, so. Again, I think that goes with the over-outrageous, just... That is something that we know can be contracted. I don't think they really let the intelligence, the actual scientific fact of how it can spread, deter it from and what well, I think was that's actually what, happening. What I'm saying, it made it funny to me because I have the wherewithal to know how HIV and AIDS works, or at least I'd like to think so on, on a, you know, I might not be the world's foremost expert on it, but at least like I'm educated mm-hmm. enough that because I know that fact, I can laugh at it because that's how absurd it is yeah. that this would actually be happening. Definitely absurd. And I think I felt more bad for the little kid who had the HIV from the start because he uh, got the, like, the stick the, like the whole time. He he seriously got the shaft in this whole movie. <laughs> Absolutely. He was, uh, he was another good bit. Um, so, you know... Uh, let me ask you this, Marissa. How have you seen pretty much all of his movies? Sasha Baron Cohen. Cohen. No, I've seen a handful. Okay, which ones have you seen? I've seen Borat, Dictator, and this one. Borat, Dictator, and this one. And then right. you know, I've actually seen more of his dramatic works, like uh, Alice in Wonderland and Sweeney Todd and Hugo. So like, I like Sasha Baron Cohen in his more dramatic work than his crazy, outrageous ones like these. All right. Well. The difference between the ones that you just mentioned are those aren't necessarily his work, or at least, you know, obviously he, he's acting in them. <coughs> he's doing a fine job. But these for me are like, and so I, I kind of want the, the difference for me. So because you've seen you, you've seen Borat and you've seen Dictator, so at least you kind of have a big difference. Um, to me, I actually did like Ali G. Um, and I love Borat. I didn't mind the dictator. I thought it was actually pretty good, but I do think that the, there's something to be made. Um, uh, th- there was an article that wrote this um, about Brothers Grimsby. He seems boxed in, rather than liberated by the spy movie, which of course is already self-parroting, as illustrated in the opening of Grimsby. It crams an entire franchise of action movie cliches under the credits. So. Mm. It just doesn't allow him room to, to sort of be himself. He's, he's, he's boxed in by this. Um, and again, so like Borat, yes, it's very, you know, scene by scene is, is, is separate. It has the vaguest of goals. You know, go and meet Pamela Anderson. Uh, yeah. And as absurd as it is, this has an absurd thing too. But, but at least you can kind of just go along with it. And when things come up, um, it works. Yeah, and I think for, you know, those films as well, he was the main central character. He didn't really have another actor to be, you know, to play off of, like Grimsby, where we had Mark Strong play another strong alpha male character to play off of. So, like, I get those are funny in a way, like, if you enjoy those films, because those are mostly just his character and no one else. This one, you actually kind of have to split it between two. Yeah, and, and you know, also in those, especially in Borat, right, it's real people sort of reacting to him. This, um, you know, even, even like, um, with Mark Strong's character, he's sort of, at, at the very least, aware of the world. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, nor- the, the world that it presents is not that hugely different than ours, except obviously people contract, but then there's the absurdities of people contracting AIDS in this way, the fact that you can stop a rocket by putting it up your asshole, yeah, and but you don't die because of elephant jizz. 
Yeah. The, um... So that's where it differs. And so the, 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 the point is that um, in this world, people are kind of more on the same level as him, whereas in his mockumentaries, um, they're not. And there's that bigger difference. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's like in his mockumentaries, people are reacting to him, where this movie is the brother more so reacting to him. And the brother, as we know, is fictional. So I, I think that's where maybe it like spreads the humor between people who may understand him and people who don't. Yeah. And yeah, and and, and again, so kind of elaborate, right? One of the it depends on your definition, but it could be the more uh, off-putting or the more funnier moments is when he has to uh, suck out the poison, right? So never would never in a, in any of his mockumentaries would there be a person that would allow themselves to kind of be part of that level, right? Yeah. Whereas in this one, uh, Mark Strong and and, and obviously um, you know Nobby's brother. He sa- he understands like in order to ha- have his life saved, he needs his. Not sucked, sucked off. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that scene is able to happen, whereas I don't think it would have ever happened in his mockumentaries. True, true. And also because there is a family dynamic that Nobby is a little bit more obliged to do it. So I, again, and I think they also, for this scene, that they the writers wanted to actually have the scene, like, more out in the public rather mm. than in a garage Warehouse, area, yeah. warehouse area because like out in public again makes it a little bit more funny because more people are watching and more witnesses and it just kind of adds to the humor because people are watching this tragedy go down um but overall it was over the top was it funny it was weird it was weird to watch a brother say suck another brother off i actually um I, I thought they did a clever job with, um, even though they didn't have it more public, but the fact that uh, all the people that they knew kind of were watching it, and it was all just males. It's like, oh, jeez. And I and I also did like the aspect of um, when they were they're always throwing him a party. And it's like the best uh, mm-hmm. secret agent from Grimsby. Shh, it's a secret though. Right. Um, I did like that running joke because, again, I think maybe that was just a clean joke that everyone can laugh at because it was supposed to be so secret, yet they kept telling everybody about it. Um, but that that wasn't a situational humor. That was that was actually smart writing. A hundred percent. And, um, you know, the, what are the, what did you think of the, the brother storyline? Um, I thought... Uh, when I first went into it, I thought we would initially kind of get a, a setup of their childhood, and then we would kind of go linear from there. Mm. But obviously, as as we went throughout the movie, we kept having flashbacks and going back in time t- and, and developed that relationship. So then eventually we got the reveal of um, why, why Nobby left his brother, which, you know, sort of towards the middle. I don't know if this... I don't know if this was just for me, but um, I think it, it, it was so cliche of, like, why the brother would have left. You know, you, you kind of have that trope of, well, I didn't mean to leave you. I had to leave you. It wasn't a choice that I wanted. I wanted a better life for you. So I felt maybe they could have, um, at, at that certain point, just kind of sped it up a little bit faster. Because like, okay, we already we knew it. it. Yeah, yeah, we knew it. Um, I, I completely agree with you on that. I actually... I mean, I like the flashbacks. We still slowly got a reveal of these two brothers, but we know that they split up from the beginning. We were were just eventually going to find out why. Um, Flashbacks are always fun to watch, but me personally watching the flashbacks, I had a hard time distinguishing who was who. And it took me, and like, I don't know, maybe it it wasn't as clear cut, but it took me as a viewer a hard time to learn who was the older brother and who was the younger one. Like, who was Nobby? Nobby was always taller. Who was Nobby and who was... But physically, we know Mark Strong, who is, you know, bald in this film, Sebastian, with the little kid who was bald at that time. Like, physically, I went with, oh, he's bald, so he's bald. So I had a That's hard... a good way to do it. Yeah. Why, why, why was that bad for you? But it... Because it was wrong. I think it was, like, the older one was the actual... Nobby in the flashback was the bald one, and Sebastian, as the younger one, had the hair. So I got flipped. I was like, oh, wait, Nobby's the older one, 
But in real life, because even Mark Strong is older than Sasha Baron Cohen. So I was getting really confused of who was who in the flashbacks. They so need like, name tags. So I couldn't tell who, if it was Nobby who left, or if it was Sebastian <coughs> that left during the whole adoption mm-hmm. splitting up. So I get they were trying to tell a backstory, but me as a viewer was actually confused during that reveal. Yeah. Fair enough. I, yeah, I, I could see that um, 100%. Uh, but eventually, as it went on, what did, you, um, what did you think of as the relationship developed? I liked how it developed because, you know, we get the obvious, like, who the heck is this dude hugging me when I'm supposed mm. to be on a secret mission? Uh, I liked how there was resistance there, as to be expected, and then the more crazy times they spent together, they were obviously going to just grow together to be brothers. And then we had the added notion of the flashbacks. You you knew there's history, and they were eventually just going to start liking each other again. Yeah, and I I thought one of the one of the good parts about the movie in terms of plot, what I commend them for is. They laid out various things, right? So initially where it's just a gag of a rocket up Nobby's ass obviously plays a huge part in the end. Where you have this whole absurd elephant joke, it plays a part in the end. Um, Even the whole (coughs) – the tracking device, right, being being lodged into him. I knew that was was going to be like, you just injected a tracking device. I was like, well, that's going to be important later. Yeah. So um, I, I commend him for that because they laid it out pretty well. And, and everything, to my knowledge, everything played a part one way, shape, or form. No joke was kind of started and left undone. Yeah. And somehow, you know, they did tie it all together. As crazy as all the situations were, they did conveniently tie it all together. And, and for it to make sense. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you this. So... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, before Mark Strong was chosen and cast, uh, Colin Farrell was he, – he had done some screen tests, and he was he was very funny, but he turned down the role. Other people considered to play that character, Guy Pierce and Clive Owen. Um, it just didn't work out, and Mark Strong ultimately ended up getting it. Yeah, and I think those would also be great um, choices had we gone with Colin or Guy or Clive because – I know those actors more for their dramatic roles rather than comedy. So I think it would be completely understandable to have a more dramatic character to be Sebastian. And I think, I mean, Mark Strong did great. He's awesome. and He's a big name, too. Um, Just having seen him as a serious slash funny guy in The Kingsman, you know he he had the chops to be in this film as well. Um, But I think Mark Strong is a great Great actor, great strong character, and I I actually liked him in this film. I did too. I did too. I, I thought Colin Farrell unfortunately would have looked too similar to um, to Navi. They would have to done something with him. Uh, Guy Pierce maybe Clive Owen. I could have seen physic. You know, he just had a different look physically to me. Yeah, but I think if Colin <laughs> was casted, it would make more sense that Navi was the older brother and Colin was the younger one. I think physicality-wise, that would make sense, too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, overall, they only had four weeks of rehearsal. Um, and here's, here's an interesting story. Um, and I, I'm terrible because I'm never going to be able to say her name. So if you have it, Marissa, jump in. I know her name. I just can't. Gabrielle Sidibe. There you go. Um, her story is kind of interesting how she was cast. They were at, they were at Academy Awards party. Uh, and the two had met, um, and they were kind of joking back and forth, or she was kind of joking back and forth, and then, um, you know... Ma- Sasha? Yeah. And Sasha eventually goes, you know, who who's your manager? <coughs> and she, and, uh... It's Gabourey. Gabourey says, <laughs> yep. my manager's right here. And then two weeks later, uh, the manager calls Gabourey and says, you know, I guess, I guess he was real... And was telling the truth when he said that he wanted to put you in his movie. And then she ends up on the movie. And she ends up on some of the marketing posters, too, um, with her and Rebel. Just much like a a James Bond um, parody. I like that. I did notice that, too. Um, I think that's great for Gabrielle because it just shows in Hollywood you're never, like, fully 
off character. Like, yeah. even if you're talking to someone, it's like, that's still important. So, like, always just be aware that people are always considering you for whatever. Or, like, if you're an actor, you should always take it seriously. Um, even if it wasn't. Or don't take it so even if seriously it as the case may be innocent here. Innocent conversation. So, like, I like that. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you, the, the, the other point that people are having is that the movies, I don't know, whether it's racism, you want to call it, or just how it portrays fat people. I don't know how else to word it. But, I, you know, I actually don't. I actually don't mind it because um, I think to Nobby, he like the fact that you know his only directions in South Africa are it's a woman in a green dress and she's absolutely stunning, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the humor of passing over her, her the actual to, to to go to uh, to go to the maid, um, you know, it almost says more about us versus Nobby. Because it's like, okay, well, why do we why do we not find her as beautiful as her? You yeah. get what I'm saying? But and most people are like, oh, you, you played that joke at the expense of Gabourey. But it's like, no. No, I think it was just at the expense of people's opinions. Because Sasha Baron Cohen did say in interviews, you know, they, they asked, uh, asked him about uh, why was your choices for Bubba Wilson, who's also, you know, a plus-size person, too. And he said that that's just what Nobby liked more in women he's like he liked the the over the plus size and uh but like that's his personal taste and even there are some parts in africa where they actually prefer more overweight people than than skinny people and i mean america is unfortunately that's kind of twisted in, in in the opposite direction but i think it's it is funny because it was just how it was filmed it was clever mm-hmm. and but Again, that adds to the situational humor where we're like, oh, no, this cannot be good. But I don't think it it was a dig at Gabourey's weight or anything. I think it was just a funny situation. I that think they it's a dig at America. I, I think so, too. I think it was just it was a funny way of how they how they set up that joke. And I, I got to say, I, I was laughing um, when um, when the wife, whatever you want to call her, she came and, and he confuses her for the plumber. Oh, and that, that was so good. And that joke went on so long when they were talking about the shit in the <laughs> toilet. And then he's like, this is worse than two girls in a cup. I'm like, oh, no, please not. I do not want to see this. <laughs> so good. And it's like I'm just shaking my head watching this. Like, this can't be good either. Oh, man. I, I commend him for that. That was that was brilliant. That was a long joke that went on, maybe like thirty seconds too long. Um, all right, so let's let's talk more um, about the castle. Let's talk about Sasha. Um, he is obviously he is this movie. It's also Mark Strong, but he is this movie, and um, everything kind of written about obviously uh, this movie gets credit to him. He's. He helped write the story. He's acting in it, and he helped produce it. So yeah, and he I mean, get a lot of the like Sasha has a good running list of comedies that people did love his characters, you know, Algy and Bruno and Borat and all that. Like he does have a good running list of comedies. Uh, this film, so I commend him for like he wanted to do another character, and another fun film. So like he, he's earned that right. Well, ironically, one of, you know one of the things that he said was. He would have done a Borat sequel, but that, but at the time that um, he had done Borat, it was it was almost frowned upon to do just a sequel for the sake of a sequel. Mm. And now he feels like he he missed out because having a franchise is the thing to do because it's much harder to create that world. Or you know, and I agree with him, but that's his quote. Yeah, now it is. So I mean, it's kind of okay that he didn't do a sequel too because the first Borat was just that was again too much but too much that was that was amazing that was too much for me uh but my question is if he does a sequel now for Borat would you watch it um considering so much time has passed I think it's a little too late now yeah you know but who knows if he did if he came out with one maybe we'll see maybe 
Um, and obviously, he's married to Ilsa Fisher in real life. And uh, she really loved, not not that I disagree with her, but she had an interesting quote where she says, "Watching Sasha do comedy is like watching Michael Jordan shoot hoops. Mm. Um, it's an education in how to be hilarious, and I've learned so much." For the rest of us, though, we had to play it uh, straight. Sasha's character is so heightened that we needed the whole rest of the world to feel very real. Hmm. Okay, like, I, I like that. That's interesting because it shows that Sasha's characters are supposed to be over the top, but you have to really nullify everybody else just to make this one person stand out. I get that. We know Sasha's funny himself. He, he does have comedic chops. And even Mark Strong. Uh, said positive things about Sasha, like him doing comedy is alluring. He says um, he he is a comedy genius in a certain way. So like I like that. That's cool. That's a interesting way to look at it, especially for the wife. You always want to very. We'll, we'll talk more about their Oscar appearance because that was actually a. I have a funny quote for that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know some of the stuff that Sasha says inspired him for Nobby, the, the way he portrayed it. Um, he was trying to make fun of uh, Sean Connery's voice in mm. terms of the accent, and then the side shops were inspired by Liam Gallagher um, from Oasis. Okay, I, I definitely see the James Bond humor throughout because we do have like a lot of spy kind of feel to the action scenes. And you got the gadgets so, and the gadgets, everything. yeah, and the action. So. I like that. Mm-hmm. So Mark Strong, let's talk about him. I, um, you know, I, I'm getting to know him more and more. Uh, you know, he's been quietly kind of creeping up to the top, and I think you know, I mean, he's already got a lot of stuff between John Carter, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, Low Winter Sun was is, is a slightly underrated TV series that he was in from AMC. Um, it got just got overshadowed by Mad Men and Breaking Bad at the time, but I think uh, definitely worth checking out. Only lasted for one season, Imitation Game, and of course Kingsman. Now so yeah. he's slowly like coming to the top. I, I think he was also great in uh, you can't forget Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I think that was a great film. That, that was probably one of the first films I like really recognized Mark Strong. I was like, who's this guy? He's awesome. He needs to be in everything. And sure enough, like so did everyone else believe that too. Um, I like, I've always liked Mark Strong. There hasn't been a person or like a character he's portrayed that I haven't liked yet. And the fact that, and I would have gone to see this movie knowing that Mark Strong is in it. And like, I will say that. Like, I would, as crazy as this movie was, I would have seen it for Mark Strong because he's mm-hmm. just so good. Interesting. Um, well, he was also the one who helped describe the elephant scene. And then he found this bit of information. So, but by all means, do tell your favorite scene. <laughs> oh, goodness. The elephant scene. Inside an elephant vagina. First, like, who comes up with this? Obviously, Sasha. It's, but this, like, so outrageous. How would anyone find this funny? But uh, the, as we know, it's the elephant scene. But Mark Strong says uh, the filming took over three days. Three days. Like, and in a small, confined space in a sleeping bag-sized silicone sheath, basically. And he said, uh, we, being him and Sasha, had to cuddle like lovers for about three days because there was absolutely no room in there, the set of the elephant's uterus, to stretch out or even lie side by side. So you've got to suffer for your art, and we suffered as audience watching the art. And we were in a very hot, very wet, very sticky, uncomfortable environment for three days in order to mine for the laughs. Hmm. So, he says. And also, the, there was a part of that same interview. The interviewer was asking what the substance of the semen was made out of. And he's like, I don't know. I didn't ask, but it was great for his skin. <laughs> <laughs> so, he said his skin was nice and moisturized for the next three days. Well, all right. <laughs> okay. A little TMI there. Fair enough. As long as it wasn't uh, anything of actual substance. <laughs> yeah, let's please let's not think that way. Um and he, he, you know, one of the things, uh, you kind of touched upon this in your quote, but he, he went on to say in a different interview how um, almost it was like almost unusual punishment for the actors, um, you know, suffering for the sake of your art, as he said in that interview, day in, day out, they would kind of, whether it was uh, in, being in freezing cold winds and us uh, being a small house, like whatever the case may be, but it was all for the humor of the, of the movie. 
Yeah, and I'll applaud them for that, for <coughs> putting yourself in situations like that just to get laughs. I mean, that takes a lot for just actors in general. Mm-hmm. So, good on them. Absolutely. Well, certainly that's how Leo got the Oscar this year, so. Yeah. Got to, uh, you know, with the reverend. That's why. Suffer for your art. That's right. Um, I commend, you know what? Rebel Wilson, to me, right, who who plays his wife, I want to talk about her, and I'm not going to because I feel like um, she's just riding a great train right now. Where I don't know if it's uh, people want, like people want her in their movies, and I think she's just saying yes, which is great. I love Rebel Wilson. She's funny in everything, and I think is also she has that fun personality that she could be friends with anyone she meets. Really, <laughs> and I think that's why she is because she is so likable that everyone's asking her to be in her movies, and I think her as a person is so likable. She'll just say yes to everything. Um, uh, I like it. I liked her in this film as crazy as her situations were with, uh, Nobby. Um, but I still got some genuine laughs out of her character. Absolutely. All you can eat. (laughs) It's nasty. (laughs) Nasty. I was not expecting you to say that right about now. nasty. But, you know, situations like that, I'm like, oh, why? (laughs) Because it's funny. Um, and she, I don't know why that one stuck with me, but shoot. <laughs> uh, and, she, and she she took on the role immediately after her pitch, uh, after Pitch Perfect two had just wrapped. So it was uh, from one to the other. Well, good for Girl her. Got no break. Yeah, good for her. Um, so let's start. Penelope Cruz, uh, not as. I mean, I don't know. T- time wise, I just felt like we were always with the brothers. Um, but if we kind of probably counted it out. She was on screen for a good portion of the time. Um, you know, I thought she was... Here's the thing. I thought she was funnier in Zoolander 2. Yeah. Um, although, I would actually rate... I, I think this movie is better, unfortunately, than Zoolander 2. All right. Fair enough. Um, but let's talk about her, since she is the villain. And without a villain, nothing works. You can't have... I, I'll say it again, because I said it a lot in Zootopia. Uh, God, why do I keep saying Zootopia? Zoolander. Um, I love Penelope Cruz. She's fantastic. When the credits rolled and she it said Penelope Cruz, I was like, yes, I would see this movie for her too. Uh, she's fantastic. I love her in everything that she does. I love her for more for her dramatic roles. So it's actually interesting to see her be a villain because I'm trying to think if she was ever a villain in any of her movies, and I'm saying no, that's not no. the case. And I liked her because even... This doesn't deter her away from her Academy Award skills, being an actress. I liked it because she can laugh at herself. She can put herself in these kind of outrageous movies and not give two shits about it. Because, And, and I think that's great for her, too, because she's just so well-established that she can do fun movies like this. Huh. And uh, her character, uh, Rhonda, was like, yeah, she's a villain. You, We got to take her out. It's like you got to take out Penelope Cruz. You know, I don't... I don't... <clears throat> in terms of being a villain, she's not that over the top, right? Kind of like the whole "I'm gonna cure the world" and then oh, it's actually <clears throat> the cure is killing people, at least stupid people. <laughs> right. It's not that uh, you know. Luckily, we've seen enough that it doesn't it doesn't sound so absurd anymore. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm sure there are probably people out there, like, how do we read out the stupid people in the world? And she was actually the only smart person to actually execute it, or try to execute it, at least. <laughs> um, and ironically enough, Rhonda George is the name of Sasha Sasha's real-life personal assistant. <laughs> so I wonder how the assistant is feeling about this character. Yeah, I would, I would really like to know. Um <laughs> And in terms of Penelope, she said, I was excited about being part of this movie because there's no one like Sasha. Um, it's fun to get to go out of your ambitions. Yeah. And I think she definitely does do this because as great as Penelope Cruz is, this obviously wasn't her most memorable role, but I'm okay with that because she's just so good of an actress. This won't ruin her career in any way. No, man. She's just, she's just there to have fun. You know, um... One way, shape, or form. I think people people want to support Sasha, and I actually I actually respect that. I love I love these types of movies because of that fact. Um, recently, the new Pee Wee movie came out, and um, you know, as it came out, th- there just seemed to be support for that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for better or worse, people 
in Hollywood like Sasha and want to support him and see him do well. And I think that's how, unless you know, these types of movies that aren't the the, the Marvel movies, that aren't the DC movies, that aren't franchise movies mm-hmm. like Hunger Games and so forth, can continue to be made is just through the love and support of just stars getting together because of their friendships and saying, let's just make a movie. Yeah, and I think that people... On on the flip side of that is people who go to see these movies are the ones who actually love and support the actors and the film and the comedy mm-hmm. and the genre. So, yeah, I think it goes both ways. Yeah, because you just said, I mean, you would have seen it for Mark Strong and you would have seen it for Penelope Cruz just alone. So there yeah. you go. There's 10 Done. bucks for Marissa. Yes. Um, all right, some fun Easter eggs. Uh, and I actually... I don't necessarily agree with this, but I do want to talk about the soccer aspect of it. Sony Spain director... Uh, objected to the fact that the World Cup football match was between England and Germany writing, not having Spain playing in the finals is not just not realistic. I find that funny. Um, you know more about the soccer football world than I do. So is that true that if you're going to have a big well, match in South Africa, or was that... Like, well, no, they went to they went the to South one. America. South America, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, South first America. off, a couple of things, right? Obviously, I don't know. Um, the World Cup just happened, um, and it, it, it didn't take place where they said it was taking place, number one. Uh, number two, Mr. I, Ivan uh, of, of Spain, of Sony... <laughs> Spain wasn't in the last World Cup finals. Argentina and Germany, and Germany won. And Spain has historically done terribly in all competitions, whether the European finals or the World Cup finals. And so the fact that they've just recently gotten good and they won the World Cup and they won the European uh, championships, that's great, and it's recent. But that doesn't. But the most recent World Cup, you did not win. So yeah. <laughs> come on, relax a little. I think it's funny because that quote, as funny as it is, it just sounds like he was just hurt that his home team wasn't in, yeah. wasn't a competing contender. But I, I did like how they portrayed football overall, or soccer, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the movie because Britain is so crazy about that stuff, um, and especially now. You know, not not to get too far off the movie, but with the English Premier League having so much money into it, and and all the teams are kind of um, becoming a little bit more level. It, there's just so much competition, and it's really fun to see. Yes, as we know, you're the big soccer fan, huh. um, so that's that's great to know too because it's it's just funny that like when i was watching this film and i saw all the soccer i was like oh i, I legitimately had this thought i was like phil is gonna love this movie so uh it's it's nice to have a cultured cultural type of sport that can unite everyone and kind of actually add to the storyline yeah i agree so I, th- I thought that was uh, a little bit of fun and i really enjoyed it you know again just the whole and this was another bit that played out um, where they laid it in early on, and then it plays out in the end, um, the, the whole streaking aspect. <laughs> <coughs> and it was made funny. I love the fact that they're like, oh, wait, I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, we can't me. We can't do it. Uh, that was funny. Um, I, and I liked how that kind of did the flashback foreshadowed what they were going to do in the end in the when they were adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's tied as well. All right, so let's talk about Louis, the director. Um, very renowned kind of action director. Did Now You See Me, Clash of Titans, The Incredible Hulk, Transporter 2, Unleashed, and Transporter. And obviously this one. Yeah, I mean, when I watched this film, I think of it more as there was a lot of action scenes. And then the the crazy comedy is from the writing aspect. The action scenes, I definitely tell the directing was uh, thoroughly there. I I enjoyed... I mean, it was a simple story. There really wasn't that much of a story. Again, it was huh. situations that, that really carried the film. But the direction, I think it was nice and fast. We obviously understood what was happening in each sequence. And I, I mean, add this to his list. I mean... Yeah, I, th- I think the other films are better, <clears throat> but I don't think he did anything wrong with this film. 
No, no, not by all means. I, I, you know, and this is partly cinematography, so I'll hold to touch on upon it fully. But um, the action scenes that were in there were so well done, mm-hmm. um, and although they were fast, I typically have, I typically hate when things are just too fast in an action scene because it's cut, 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 and you don't really know what's going on. For I, I'd have to rewatch it again to fully explain how they were able to pull it off, but I thought. It never took me out of it, and perhaps, you know, just upon kind of just quick judgment, um, you know, I would say because they used wider um, lenses, so you could see more of the action rather than being close up, and even though it was fast, it still worked, you know? Mm -hmm. They had that kind of GoPro feel to it, especially early on, because, you know, he's seen it through the eye and so forth, so I I, I thought that the the elements worked very nicely together. I like the action scenes. The action scenes were really fun to watch and especially that whole putting the contact lens because we did get that pov it was cool to watch because we the audience we see it every once in a while but the way it was executed in this film that was so fast and you go from like a building through the streets to take this dude down i thought that was cool and that was a great way to engross the audience into a crazy film like this it was so drastically different than what we were going to watch for the next 80 minutes after that. But uh, the the action was definitely there. I, I liked it. Absolutely. And, you know, he, here's another example of someone who's just a fan of Sasha. You know, when... Because when, they, um, they approached him to do the, the movie, and he was gratified that he could get to work with a star that he admired. He said, I remember at the beginning of the DVD era, people were passing around DVD box sets of the LEG show saying, have you seen that stuff? Um, I remember going to see Borat the day it came out, the 11 a.m. show, first show, and crying, laughing, and going to see it again that weekend with friends. That's what I love about Sasha's movie. You want to be the first one to see it, and then you want to bring your friends to see their reaction. I was quite starstruck with Sasha because he was one of the guys that I truly admired. So, And I think that's great that like a director is already a fan of the pe- person he was going to work with. So I think that really allowed for the creative collaboration to really work well together on screen. Yeah. And, you know, he actually had to adjust to his game because he's used to things in a certain way. And uh, the, the movies that we just made, you know, they're not – none of them are comedies. Yeah. And so with this, he had to use obviously a lot of cameras to, to be able to shoot it because – you know, as, as soon as Sasha gets going, you got to just let it go and be able to film him, whatever he does. And, it, you know, he said it, it was um, it wasn't uncommon to have 45 minute takes. Wow, that's a lot. That is quite a bit. But, <laughs> For you know, 45 minutes. Shoot. I, I mean, from an ending perspective, now you have to sift through that and find, you know, but uh, but nonetheless, I mean, you know. You, you got it. That's how Sasha works, and you got to just let him be. Yeah, and I think that's great that you know the director allowed for such creativity on a movie because there are we know just from Hollywood there are a lot of directors who are like really strict to a script, want it exactly this way that they envisioned from the start, and the fact that he allowed so much creative freedom kind of added to just the overall movie. That's right. It wasn't just his vision; it was a lot of people's. Absolutely. And he's, um, you, you know, I touched upon the fact that Sasha and Mark had to go through, them in particular, had to go through a lot of physical um, adversities, let's just say. And uh, he made it a point to also be and do the various things. So if they were cold, he was cold. If if they were wet, he was going to be wet. Um, which I thought, you know, I don't think it's necessary but I, I respect them for going to that length to make everyone feel comfortable. I think that's <coughs> solidarity, for sure. I mean, and I think a good director should do, you know, put himself in situations just so he can, or, like, they can understand what the actors are going through. Absolutely. Um, all right, so moving right along, let's talk about... Uh, is, this is a name from, uh, from Harry Potter, right? Oliver Wood. Right, wasn't Oliver? What isn't Oliver Wood? Um, uh, he's so he's directed Fantastic Four, Anchorman Two, Safe House. So he has a lot of comedy. But Oliver Wood, action. right? Is Harry Potter? Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Oliver yeah, Wood is Oliver the cinematographer, Wood. but he's also the keeper. I love Oliver from Wood. Harry Potter. 
True. Which is quite unfortunate for the cinematographer named Oliver Wood. Eh, it's okay. Um, I don't think that changes his career. No, but go ahead. You were reading either. his list of credits and I cut you off. Oh, uh, no. Uh, so he's done a lot of action comedy movies, too, so he knows. Uh, what I found interesting for the cinematography, the the whole POV shot, uh, he actually, because this film didn't have a big budget, they they were like, we always wanted an action film, but we don't have the money. So how do we film it in a way that's still very actioning, very visually intriguing? So he says, uh, if if we realize we create this new style of action, the POV shooter kind, we can make the action film more visceral and alive. And I saw this video online called Bad Motherfucker that had point of view action. And then we called the guy up and said, hey, you want to check, help us out on this movie? And we got the main stunt guy, part of that, um, who did the stunts for Marvel movies and a bunch of, like, he's the real Captain America stunt guy. And he got him, on, got him in to choreograph real four-minute scenes because every time he saw the POV, that takes a while. And uh, then have some... Oh, the real people do these things for real. And we thought, all right, if we can actually do that, then it could be a more visceral experience and make the action feel old-fashioned. Yeah. And, you know, they would, cool. kind of, they would kind of um, jot down the basic idea in terms of the writing, and then they would shoot it a few times, and it would kind of go from there. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, cinematography-wise, I thought this movie actually did a fantastic job. The camera's always moving. Um it looks, it looks really good, and even even the, this isn't part of necessarily the cinematography, but like the graphics overlaid right when they're searching for the bomb and this and that, and mm-hmm. I thought visually <coughs> they did a really, really good job because even that right, you're kind of worried about which uh, rocket he's going to sit on, which one's, and then it's like wait he, they're both the they're bomb, both. they're like oh shoot you know what's going to happen both of them are going to stick it up their butts. <laughs> like, Sometimes you gotta well, just stick it up your butt. It's like solidarity as in brotherhood. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Um, editing. Um, I, so this was part of you know, I, th- there was three editors involved in this, um, which I think it's actually quite a bit. You know, um, it's not, a lot. Not typically you have like one editor and then you have a bunch of assistants, so they don't always get like the editor credit. Maybe these you know these guys just kind of shared it together. Um, when you're shooting 45 minute takes, and the scene ultimately ends up being quite short, I yeah. could see you know probably why the the need for multiple editors exists. Um, and they had a long battle with the MPAA. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I don't know if this is true or not, but Sasha joked about the fact that they wanted to um, have this be NC82, a new <laughs> type of rating. Oh, good lord! Um, I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, because the elephant scene was like originally nine minutes long and that was one of the scenes that was very controversial with the MPAA and they're like but if you cut it down we can still keep it at at the R rated Um, so and granted they cut that scene down to three and a half but I cut it down with two one and a half (laughs) and be like okay I get it sure yeah, and you know what? Um, I actually, I actually commend Sasha because when he does talk about that scene in these interviews, you know, people are like, will will that scene end up in like a, um, a a bonus version on the DVDs and the Blu-rays? And he said, yeah, it will. But just as a deleted scene, the movie that you have is still the best version of the movie. So we're not just going to put that in to put it in, right? But who would want to watch an elephant's dick ejaculating on you for nine minutes? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that's the real question out there. I know someone, but I won't give her away. But oh, she Lord. loves showing crazy videos during holidays. And you know what I'm talking uh, about. Oh, but I, I won't do. say who. Shoot. Okay. Uh, Moving on. <laughs> um, and by the way, the, the, so Jonathan Amos, Evan uh, Henke, James Thomas were the ones that edited this movie. Um, combined, they have credits on Scott Pilgrim. Borat, Bruno, Hot Tub Time Machine, Muppets, Fanboys, Inglorious Bastards, and For a Good Time Call, and The Interview. Obviously a very controversial Another movie. Another controversial film. Which um, I thought was when uh, Sasha was kind of speaking out about, we talked about the Donald Trump portion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this is kind of jumping ahead to reception a little bit, but um, 
you know, people are ask people are asking like, oh, will will the um, will Sony kind of tone back the Donald Trump stuff? Will it be re-edited, so forth? They've cut back on promotion for the movie, yeah. but they're not going to cut that out. And Sasha's very adamant about keeping that in because he says like, you know, the fact that the interview was allowed to do what it was allowed to do means that okay, when you let government start censoring art, anyone can now censor art, and it's just it, it's just a bad time for art in general. And yeah. He doesn't want that. And and I think it's the situation, yeah, we're dealing with a real-life person, as in Donald Trump, but we know the story is completely fictional and it's not hurting anyone. Yeah. It's just literally something to laugh at. So it, I, I understand the government censoring the interview, but the government, government censoring something as silly as that is kind of ridiculous. I, think, I, I find it, um, you know, especially when something's a comedy, right? <laughs> Take it. I, I really want people to take it as a compliment when they're parried in that way. I yeah. mean, Donald Trump, like, you know, you're, you're the biggest thing in the world, so of course you're going to be talked about. And you know what? It's not quite, like, it, it'd be worse if someone was, like, spreading rumors and, and gossip about you in tabloids. This mm-hmm. is a comedy movie. Just go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. Uh, I, I thought. What what I appreciate about this movie was that uh, Sasha, again, because it's so near and dear to him, he really went out of his way to market it. And um, because of his arsenal of characters from the past, he was able to, you know, he made appearances as various people. So um, on Jimmy Kimmel, he he dressed as Borat and was like, do not see this movie. Boycott the movie. <laughs> this is propaganda film. Um, I completely believe that. <laughs> But I think that's smart, too, because he's also bringing back old characters that I'm sure a lot of people would love to see again to just promote a new character that people haven't seen. Absolutely. So that's smart on him. And he did want um, he, he did want to um, promote the movie on the Oscars because the Oscars did ask him to um, be a part of it. Now, they, found, they did not want him to do it. So he, um, you know, they didn't think he would. And then him and his wife... Uh, had 45 minutes before he was supposed to go on and they went in a bathroom and he jokes like this is the only place in Hollywood that you can go to um, where people don't question a guy and a girl in a bathroom for 45 minutes and he put on the Ali G costume and then um, did his whole bit at the Oscars for those of you who've seen that um, and also Kim Kardashian uh, they they had a screening of the movie at their house with the with the whole Kardashian family and uh, they they actually enjoyed it. Kanye was there; he was laughing. Oh good lord, he would laugh. Um, but I hey, mean, why not? I I think Sasha did a great job in promoting because there was also that uh, Apple yes keynote presentation that Sasha put on himself and it was very serious and like he. T- he stuck to his guns, and I was like, dude, he could be a great speaker, too. Because, as we know, like, Sasha in Newsweek, he's actually very smart and very well-spoken. Very and uh, it's just funny, because the characters he portrays are, like, completely opposite of who he is in real life. And I, I think, even in his keynote presentation comedy promotion, that it was smart, because he realized how ridiculous this movie is. Like, yeah. 15% of this, and and you, you have the numbers more than I do. Uh, it, it, was, it was 15% it, more idiotic than than uh, Ali G, 12% something compared to Borat. And yeah, all yeah. these various <laughs> fun statistics. Check it out. Um, by the way, we'll, um, as part of the, the show summary, we'll have a link to our notes. We don't have pictures today, but um, in there are links to these the Kim Kardashian video reactions, the... Um, the, the the Apple presentation that Marissa's speaking about. So that's all in there. Um, so in terms of box office, it didn't do... It was originally projected to do between 7 and $8 million. Uh, it, it fell shy of that. It got $6.5 million. Um, really, <coughs> really terrible opening, unfortunately. Bad opening. Um, Forbes attributed the film's poor opening to its British content and marketing tactics, alienating American audiences. Um, they say much like Eddie the Eagle. Um, to me, I don't know if I buy that. I think you either like Sasha Baron Cohen or you don't. Mm-hmm. And I think Hollywood likes him, but audiences may be getting tired of it. Yeah, I don't I'm know. just trying to think of, like, does this movie open up with another big contender that, like, this could have been the counter-programming for? 
Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't think so because Deadpool was already out before this. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen, these films are ones you like. You have to actually just be genuine fans of to go see it. It's not like franchises where there's already a humongous following that's already set. And like I understand it opened so low. And it's unfortunate because this wasn't his best character, new character that people can love compared because everyone loves Borat and Allergy and Bruno. And, like, those were already set characters. This was a whole brand new one. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting. He says, uh, you know, he's never done a sequel, but it'll be interesting to see if he kind of now revisits that, um, especially, like, the Borat character, which seems to be the the, the kind of more famous one. If he did G in a mockumentary setting, it could be fun, but G initially wasn't well-received yeah. at all. And I think the probably what they were hopefully banking on the bigger draws where you had Mark Strong and Penelope Cruz and Rebel Wilson who are all great on their own as well. Mm-hmm. They And they have big accolades as well. So I think they were kind of maybe hopefully it was drawing those audiences to this film. Yeah, and it was, it was just tough, you know, and tough in general. Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane came out that that week as well and that, that was a strong movie. Zootopia was out. So just a lot of strong contenders. Um, so it's, it's just a bit unfortunate, but, uh, it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. Will it make its move, its money back? I think so. Um, I mean, it had a small enough budget. I think, I think in time it'll find the right audience. Um, and, you know, the people that did see, I think they, the, the way the director, Luis, put it, um, you know, the people that have seen it, you know, they gave it a B plus audience score. So I think that it, it's not terrible. Right, and you're gonna for the people that did enjoy it, they're gonna bring friends because they, you know. And I think there is that shock of it. Uh, again, I think at this point, people know about the 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 AIDS part, and they know about the elephant dick part. So yeah. it's like, okay, well, now are you curious enough to see it? And there might be enough people. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe. Uh, I would say go watch it with a friend. <laughs> that's right. I watched it with a friend. Comedies are better with friends. Yeah. Uh, all right. Final impressions, Marissa. Uh, crazy movie. You should have known. Um, I have seen it. I probably will not watch it again, though. Fair enough. Um, the final part that I'll add is that Grimsby, the town, right after this came out, they uh, did a promotional video on how great Grimsby actually is. Um, And The Guardian did a pretty decent article about um, members of Grimsby's reactions to the the movie. Some were good, some were bad, so uh, worth checking out. Thank you guys for joining us on another Anatomy of Movie here at Popcorn Talk, where we just talk movies all day, every day, um, with the exception of Saturday. Yes. But... Um, in terms of anatomy movie, we'll be doing Batman v Superman next week, and Marissa's very excited about this. My big fat Greek wedding too. Very excited. Um, so definitely check that out. And you know, at this point, we've probably done over 250 movies, so check out those. Uh, we spoke about Zoolander two. Check that out. Um, we didn't do How to Be Single, um, but uh, you know, it's worth checking out with Rebel Wilson and and so many other movies. So just just go down the rabbit hole. Um, I'm trying to, we did Zootopia, obviously, we've, we've mm-hmm. been kind of talking about that. We'll be doing we Alice in ten- Wonderland uh, the, through the Looking Glass with Sasha Baron Conan's in that, too. That's right. And we did 10 Cloverfield Lane, so check that out, too, if, if you got a chance to see that. Um, thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Phil Svitek and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.